Hi, and welcome to the Hingham Cast. This episode is brought to you by Erica Colantonio with Planner Hill Properties. I'm your host, Allie Donnelly. I've spent 20 years in the TV news business, but like so many of us, I've pivoted, picking up a new mic to tell stories in a new way here on Boston South Shore. The Hingham Cast is hyper-local, looking at the world through the lens of one small town, my town. Our mission is connection, community, conversation. Let's start here. Let's start now. Oh, God, no. I'm not putting you in there. I don't know. I don't mind a little sweat. You're going to be like a dog overheating. I'm going to have to call 911. I could could use a little weight loss right now. All right. Try that. Let's see. See you. Get comfortable and ready for death. Brian McLaughlin is so busy, it's hard to find a quiet moment or quiet place to talk to him. He owns the new restaurant Locales Taco C Tequila in the Old Crow's Landing spot in Crow Point. We're chatting on the second day he's been open for a lunch pop-up. It's takeout only, and Brian's in his minivan in the parking lot. He's got busted AC in the middle of a heat wave. Hold on one second. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to hop in the back seat and put it on the seat. Okay. Okay. All right, let's see if this tries works any better. The pop-ups are like mini soft openings to let staff train into a rhythm and work out any kinks. Chicken and rice? Uh, so no beans and no sour cream? No, he's picky. Okay. So. Uh, do carnitas and do one asada and then one chicken. Right across the board, perfect. On the day of the first pop-up, they posted on Facebook to let people know they'd be cooking up their Mexican street tacos and... We said that it was going to be from 12 to 3. We announced at 11.30, we ran out of food by 2.15. I mean, it was <laughs> so exciting, and like the energy was so awesome. The, all the toppings are just cilantro and onions for the street tacos. As anybody in the restaurant industry knows, there's, there's always a, a fire to be put out, but uh, that's part of the fun of it. That's awesome. That's awesome. For people who don't or haven't read much about it, tell me about Locales. Look, it's Locales, is tacos y tequila. Locales is kind of a, a state of mind we've created where it's a, it's a place in Mexico. It represents kind of those coastal towns where tacos is kind of like it, it's it's weaved into the fabric. It's not just a food. It's kind of the culture of these towns. Mm. I moved as a kid growing up in Long Island. I moved out to California when I was uh, 20 years old after spending almost six years in Arizona. Mm. There's the Mexican culture in general just became something I fell in love with. And it was this is kind of a recreation of all the experiences that I've had. Mm. But it's definitely, it's a taco menu. It's tacos, my love for tequila and mezcal and all agave <laughs> spirits. Um, it's good. It's, it's basically a passion project for me, but I know that uh, other people would share in the joy of it. So that's what we're doing. So right now we are grilling our pollo asado, which is a grilled marinated chicken. What can people expect in terms of food? I came and ate today and I had crunchy tacos, um, carnitas. Nice little cushion. All right, so here we go. Can you hear the crunch? Mm, that's good. So map out the menu a little bit for me. So originally the idea was to be a much broader menu. As we're doing these little pop-ups, I'm realizing the volume that we can handle mm. in the kitchen. So we're kind of steering ourselves to do what we do best and what we think the, that people would fall in love with most. So we're doing tacos. Um, we're doing what you mentioned. You had the crispy tacos. Crispy tacos is, is a soft tortilla wrapped around a crispy tortilla stuffed with cheese. Jack cheese, pinto beans, 
stuffed with meat of your choice. So carnitas, carne asada, pollo asada. Yeah. Pico y guacamole, pico y guacamole, pico y guacamole, normal. Uno de guacamole, por favor. What did you have and what did you think? I usually do carnitas everywhere, but I decided to mix it up and the steak was fantastic. <laughs> Classic street tacos where we have a four and a half inch tortilla. We stuff that with meat of choice, uh, you know, diced onions and cilantro. I had the street tacos and they were delicious. Really fresh tasting. Um, they put the cheese underneath the meat. Um, everything was just hot, fresh and good. We're doing quesadilla suizas, which is a dirty quesadilla. Hmm. So it's kind of like a burrito, but it's a stuffed quesadilla. All of our meats and stuff we marinate for several days here, marinades that we created ourselves. Um, we've got delicious fresh salsas that we make every day. Mm. We've got a great uh, salsa verde, salsa rojo, which is a roasted tomato salsa. We've got pico de gallo. We do a house-made uh, habanero salsa that is on fire, literally and figuratively. It's so good. Can I come along on your journey as you take your first bite? It's absolutely delicious. It's so good. The tortilla, it's like homemade, melts in your mouth. The chicken has a lot of flavor. I'm very impressed. It's a very simple menu. So then we're doing just elote con queso, which is a Mexican street corn, uh, guacamole, mm -hmm. chips and salsa. We're trying to keep it simple so that people know what they're coming back for. It's not going to be a huge menu. So you're not going to be getting chilarienos or enchiladas and stuff like that. Um, this is strictly a taco joint. I'm really happy this is here. I'll definitely be back the next time they're open. So good. Your bar is beautiful, first of all. You know, if, if people had gone to Crow's Landing, it's kind of obviously the same infrastructure, so to speak. But the colors and the wallpaper behind it with the um, cacti and and just the bottles are beautiful. Tell me about the bar and, and how you put that together. I mean, if you ask Chris Heim, my manager, he'd probably, he'd probably tell you the I was, might be the bane of his, his existence. Um, <laughs> it's one of those I had an idea to start with. I'd probably change it three times, which uh, added to probably extra labor to the project. There's a kind of a mid-century vibe in Mexico, especially on the West Coast, uh, as you go down the coast, that is, it's really prevalent. And, and the vibrant colors that they have there are, it's, again, part of their culture and not I thought grabbing onto some of that and, and going with these kind of like muted tones, but vibrant at the same time, mm. got a beautiful yellow bar. Um, it's much brighter inside than it was in the past, which I think adds mm -hmm. to the airy coastal feel. Mm. As far as the bottles mm. go, the, the Mex uh, Mexican tequilas and mezcals, they're, they're just incredible spirits. Like the companies there, the distilleries, employ entire towns to create these beautiful bottles and, and beautiful labels to them. And the colors and stuff like that, those are alone are just simple and gorgeous. So it just kind of helps add to the vibe. Yeah, it's funny. Chris offered to give me a taste of uh, any of the tequilas. You know, he wanted me to experience that. I said, oh, no, no, no. Tequila makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, then you're not, you're not having the right tequila. Um, so he did pour me his favorite, and I think I've got a little clip of sound of it. This is a high-end tequila. It's an anejo, and despite it being an anejo, it is clear. Usually, anejos will have a color from the aging in the barrel. This is actually uh, purified four times uh, through charcoal filtering, which keeps it, as you can see, clear. I'm going to be super honest. You okay with that? I want you to be okay. honest. Okay. <laughs> it's got a kick to it. It's still tequila. Honestly, I never would have said I would like this. I have to say it was good. It was an experience, which is not what I necessarily, because I've stayed away from tequila since my college days, you know? That's, that's kind of what we're trying to touch on here. I think um, for many, tequila in general is one of those 
uh, it's a bit intimidating because most people have had that Jose Cuervo college experience where all it reminds them of is like mm-hmm. basically throwing up afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> the problems that came with that. But I, I think what our goal is here is the educational part of it. You know, most people walk into our bar and you kind of look or gravitate towards the bottles that you know. And mm. on purpose, we've kind of specifically chosen ones that unless you're a real agave aficionado or, or tequila aficionado, it's going to be hard to find something that you really recognize well, which helps mm. promote the conversation of like, okay, talk to me. What are, what am I drinking here? Let's have this conversation. And through this education of it, I think we'll gain some trust from the patrons and it'll grow some appreciation and perhaps um, make them more inquisitive to try other ones, which... Mm. It's kind of the, the, for me, it's the, that's the fun part of service because that creates the experience. Let's head to break with bartender Peter Finnegan shaking up the classic margarita. So our house margarita with tequila, lime juice, and then our simple syrup. And straining it for customers Billy Litwin and Tommy Hastings. It sucked my soul and blew my mind. <laughs> well, I think I'll be coming here a lot. <laughs> Riding your bike or no? Probably on my bike, yeah. <laughs> Before we hear what took so long to get Locales open, I want to thank our episode sponsor, realtor Erica Colantonio with Planner Hill Properties. Erica grew up in Hingham. She's raising her girls in Hingham. She understands and is invested in this community. So if you're buying or selling a home or want to help someone looking in Hingham, connect with Erica. She knows the neighborhoods, the schools, and can help you find the perfect home for you. Reach out at Erica at PlannerHill.com. Okay, back to our conversation with Brian. Um, you know, talking about service, you already have a very successful business in Cohasset. And if people haven't tried Seabird Coffee, I highly recommend it. But, you know, you're starting this taco shop as a global pandemic is unfolding. What was going through your mind as you're like, oh, my gosh, here we go? Um, it's a great. That's <laughs> it's a great question. Um, I, I, to be honest, I signed the lease before the pandemic um, started. Mm-hmm. And when it started... Um, the the colleagues who are the the landlords of this of this building I'm leasing who are incredible such nice people Rich and Kirk Collier incredible they kind of gave us an out and they were like do you guys want to still do this and it was you know sometimes chaos breeds innovation and, and it breeds opportunity yeah and I felt like if, if if they were so willing and so kind to kind of get help get us through this it was one of those I was like you know what here's an opportunity I've I've kind of got to seize it mm. I know what this it, it will. We're going to go back to normal at some point. And it, this obviously led to many hiccups of why it's taken us so long to open. But I think we've, through that time, have gotten to even change the business model that we started with. Hmm. And I think the final product, I couldn't be more thrilled to be doing this project. But it's, uh, yeah, it's probably not the most ideal time. But I also think, you know, there's there's no time like the present. If you <laughs> really want to do something, you might as well try it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so initially you had hoped to open last summer. I think it was July of 2020 was the first date. And that kept getting pushed and pushed. What was happening during all that? Um, well, whatever hair I had left in my head was being pulled out. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's 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 plenty of hiccups through this process. And because of COVID, it, it changed a lot of processes within the town. And we're just trying to get a hold of, you know, contractors or laborers and stuff like that. It, hmm. There were more hiccups and hurdles. But I wanted to open last summer. I'm actually happy that we didn't. Hmm. I think it works in our favor that we're, we get to open closer to the way that we wanted to originally. Now we're dealing with a bit of a, a labor shortage, mm-hmm. but we'll get through it. Yeah, it's interesting. I, was, I want to ask you about staffing. 
let's see, the National Federation of Independent Business um, did a survey recently, and it showed that 32% of small employers are experiencing a significant staffing shortage. What does that look like on the local level for you? I mean, it's it's definitely apparent. I mean, I, I definitely, I put something up on Indeed, which is one of those job recruiting websites. Mm-hmm. We had probably 50 people respond to it, not only one that actually followed through. Mm. So you know, I, I can't explain why or what the what the rationale was behind that. Um, but because we're already midsummer, a lot of people already have their jobs or their summer jobs, especially yeah. those kids home from college. It's the seasoned vets in the restaurant industry, the bartenders and servers that have been around for years. I'm looking for them. I'm, I'd like to see mm-hmm. where they are, and perhaps we'll we'll know more in September. Um, it's it's led to its challenges. It's leading to its challenges now, but. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you hear it on the national stage, but the the same um, small business survey or independent business surveys showed 63% of businesses have either raised their wages or another 13% of added benefits or signing bonuses. Like, how do you see that playing out for you if you need, you know, legit veteran food service folks and so does every other restaurant in town? I mean, it's a beautiful time to be looking for a job, in my opinion. <laughs> you, you can actually get paid with what maybe what you'd like to get paid, um, which mm. service industry is tough. I, I've always believed in kind of overpaying people, especially if you find great staff. You want to make create an environment. You don't want them to leave. You want yeah. them to love where they work. You want them to be proud of where they work. And um, so I'm comfortable paying people. But the unfortunate part is some of that cost sometimes has to be then transferred to a customer. You know, we're trying to keep our our price at a fair price that we think, hmm. you know, it's Mexican food, it's street food, it's tacos. So it can't be egregious. Um, but at the same time, I also can't lose money trying to produce a business. So that cost sometimes has to be transferred over to a customer. And I think on the unfortunate part of this kind of labor crisis, if you will, is going to see that that prices of food will have to go up. Yeah. And a lot of restaurants will have to raise the prices because of that, which is just unfortunate, but it's unfortunately that's just the, the price of doing business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I talked to a lot of chef friends in Boston and Cambridge and they're also saying, I mean, supply chain has been a, a steady problem. Um, but you know, they're also saying the food they're ordering, the supplies they're ordering are going through the roof. Have you seen that too? Absolutely. Um, from many of our suppliers who, you know, even if they say you order on Tuesday and it's supposed to come on Wednesday and they, if you call the next day and like, can we get it to you on Friday? We don't have enough people to pack the trucks. Mm. Um, so that anything that you're planning on cooking for the next day is not arriving till Friday kind of changes. Okay. Now what am I cooking? Um, that that's a problem for sure. Um, the prices of certain produce that we're buying have definitely gone through the roof. We're going through limes and Roma tomatoes and avocados. Avocados are already expensive. Mm. If they go any more expensive, we're going to have to find another vegetable to make guacamole with. But, um, <laughs> Artichoke it's, guacamole is excellent. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's dish, something. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it can be seen for sure across the board. Um, so hopefully we can, when everybody does get back to work, some of these prices may come down or we just live with it in a, within a different system. I'm not sure. But Let's take a quick break here to say, if you like the Hingham cast, we'd love it if you'd nominate us for the Podcast People's Choice Awards. It takes just a few minutes. Log on to podcastawards.com. Hit the blue nominate bar and follow the instructions from there. You can vote for us under two categories, news and politics and society and culture. We're competing with the likes of This American Life and The New York Times, The Daily, so we need every vote. Again, it's podcastawards.com. 
vote for the Hingham cast. Thanks. Okay, let's get back to Brian and the nitty-gritty details. When and how they'll be open. Will they take reservations? Bar service outside? And not to be missed, Brian's favorite things on the menu. Why did you pick Hingham? Was it just kind of looking for a spot and you landed on this? Or did you want to be in Hingham? Talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, Hingham is the first place I moved to on the South Shore. When we moved here, my wife had a job with Talbots and we lived in the shipyard. Mm. For me, I didn't grow up on the South Shore. So to for me, the South Shore is almost like one giant town. I don't see the mm-hmm. town boundaries or that many who grow up here do. I live, I have a business in Cohasset and Duxbury and now a business in Hingham. I think it's for me, just a way to spread my wings and to kind of meet more people in more towns. Mm. And the location obviously is one of the number one drivers for why I chose this spot. But also, I, I, I don't know, Hingham's kind of close to my heart as most of the friends we first made when we got here all live here. So I feel like a kind of an honorary Hingham resident. <laughs> nice. So let's talk a little bit brass tacks. So you're not starting out fully open lunch and dinner. Tell me about that. Yeah, part of that labor shortage has kind of led us to pivot a bit. So we're going to be doing kind of like an L.A. road stand style lunch Mm -hmm. where we've got a pass-through window. We're going to be doing it so it's takeout. It kind of helps me eliminate some of the front of house staff from the front. Mm -hmm. Not to eliminate it, but I just can't fill that role at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I need to make sure that I'm going into the fall prepared correctly. So by hiring just seasonal people to be here for a month, I'm going to be back in this position in August. So our thought was, we're going to do this great way to get the kitchen ready, learning these new products, learning this new style of taco, getting this done during the day as a takeout option would work well. And then at night, open it up as a full service restaurant. Mm-hmm. The goal is to open it next week. As I spoke to you earlier today, we've had a few hiccups on the interior of the restaurant that we're going to have to correct before next week to do that, um, namely some of the gas lines and stuff. So just so we can set this, the tone, Brian and I are talking on Thursday of what will now be last week. So he's hoping to open tomorrow at this, as we stand at this like fractured moment in time. But when I got there today, you were on the, you were on the phone with somebody. Tell me about that. Yeah. I mean, the, the beauty of these soft openings is you find out all the little pressure points within a restaurant. And mm-hmm. one of the key pressure points is making sure that you have enough gas coming from the street <laughs> to your building so that you can actually cook the food. And the truth is the meter sized correctly for the amount of gas that's supposed to be coming in. There was a miscalculation, I think, in the equipment that we have and the gas meter that was is attached to the building. So it needs to be sized up. We've got it lined up to be fixed next week, but it needs to be fixed in order for us to operate on a full level. Right now, I have to turn off certain equipment in order to make the other ones work. Mm. The goal is now we're not going to open until we have that resolved. So if tomorrow is the day... If it's going to be on uh, Wednesday or if it might have to be on Thursday, then that, that's, again, one of just the circumstances of, you know, these little hiccups that we find. So let's say you're not ready to open inside yet. Will you keep doing the pop-ups for lunch? Will those be consistent or not yet? So my goal would be to open up for lunch on Wednesday and dinner, and then hopefully we're open forever That from that point on. Okay. If for some reason there's a hiccup, then we will do another pop-up. Right now, I have staff training and marinating chicken and marinating pork and meat and stuff. I don't want the product to go to waste, so we're just coming up with solutions, which is what led to these pop-ups of, like, I need them to practice and train and get their reps on making these tacos. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's where the pop-ups came in, and 
the goal is now that I feel like the enthusiasm within the staff is there and they're all learning it and they're getting faster. I mean, it was incredible progression today from the beginning to the end on how quickly they can get stuff done. So I want to keep them on that pace. Um, and I think that if we can open, we're just going to let's let's pull the bandaid off and let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Will you take reservations? We won't. Um, and the reason being is uh, we're just too small of a restaurant. Um, if somebody's not mm. here, if they're, if they're late 15 minutes because it's tacos and because the turnaround time for our food should be pretty quick. That 15 minutes is kind of crucial to us and turning a table. Mm. Uh, so I think the goal would be it's first come first serve. That way we always can guarantee a packed house for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And well, with the, with the fact that it's probably a 50 minute turnaround time for a table, I don't think it would be too, too bad of a wait. Yeah. There's only 54 seats inside. That's what I was just going to ask you. So 54, so 50 minute wait, you said five Oh, right? The turnaround time. Yeah. I think that's what a table would be sitting for. The average time would probably be sitting for 50 to 75 minutes at most. Mm -hmm. The ticket time for a taco, crispy tacos takes a little longer, but you're looking at a 15 minutes for when you order to when you get the tacos. Okay. Don't quote me on that. It just takes a little longer. <laughs> So for people who come and uh, there's a wait, will you be serving drinks outside? Anything, you know, you can kind of prep people for? Yeah. So as soon as we have, so we, we just got signed off today for the Jersey Barriers and our outdoor patio. So the building commissioner came out, made sure that was okay. You know, now that we have that kind of all signed off, we'll set up our lights outside, our poles, and make it, give it more of an ambiance so that we'll be able to have outdoor dining that's more enjoyable than sitting at a picnic bench. Nice. Let's take a quick break to shout out our media partners, The Hingham Anchor. You can check out photos of Brian and his team and sneak peeks inside the restaurant. It's HinghamAnchor.com. You can also read about Hingham's amazing Little League team there. Their 12U Williamsport team just won the district's first ever division championship. Now that means they're moving ever closer to representing Massachusetts in the Little League World Series. They need to beat out 15 other teams around the state. Here's the roster. Brennan McCarthy, Charlie Levy, C.J. Taylor, Cole Snowden, Dan Nichols, Grayson Bohane, Jack Serafini, Matthew Volpe, Michael Blanchard, Paul Donahue, Rudy Preziosi, Thomas Sullivan, Will Jones, and their awesome coaches. Go get them, boys! Okay, let's get back to Brian and his favorite things on the menu and who he wants you to bring along. So, you know, I've noticed that your dad, you have... Um, three kids. I noticed you brought up kind of wanting to make sure you're family friendly, kids welcome. Why is that? You know, so before I got, uh, before I opened Seabird, I was a stay-at-home dad for seven years and it definitely made its mark on me when I took my children places. There are certain places that I'd walk into and I felt comfortable with mm. and then certain ones that I was, I, I was kind of made to feel uncomfortable. Mm. Like that the kid, my children weren't welcome. I think children should be allowed to come into places. And I think that's up to the parents to kind of help them grow into adults and how to treat people in a restaurant, but also how to hold themselves and carry themselves in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as a parent uh, of three beautiful daughters, I'd love to help help be that place for parents to come. I don't need to parent your children, but I can create an atmosphere, I think, that they can be kids and still enjoy the atmosphere with the adults and the adults aren't annoyed because that's part of the culture. Yeah, it's a party in here. It's a fiesta. Like, let bring them in. Let's have a good time. I've got plenty of things to keep them occupied, and the food they'll love it. I think it'll be fun. Awesome. So I don't want to keep you too much in this hot car, which I'm I'm nervous. I'm gonna have to call nine one one for. I'm sweating. Not gonna lie. I'm just sweating. <laughs> 
if you were crafting one meal, one person, what you're going to serve them, what from what you what your offerings are, what is your favorite thing on the menu that someone should try? Oh, I would definitely start off with the chips, trio salsas, and guacamole. I think it's or guacamole is unbeatable. It's un, it's incredible. Um, I would probably have to split a lote con queso, which is our Mexican street corn, with somebody else because it comes as three mm-hmm. halves. And then for myself, I would order. The carnitas crispy taco. I think our carnitas is incredible, but the crispy taco, that's that's the game changer here. It really is. I agree. Yeah. It really is. That's awesome. That's awesome. You seem to me a very chill kind of guy. I mean, I can, you know, I've, I've seen stress in your eyes a little bit, but <laughs> you're very even keel. What intimidates you? Um, my wife. <laughs> I was just going to say besides your daughters. <laughs> My wife is intimidating. Um, I, <laughs> after that, I don't know. I mean, the fear of failure, I guess, the only intimidation. But it's that's also kind of what the fuels the fire to make me want to, to, to you know, to succeed. Mm. So there's not much that intimidates me, except I guess the disappointment of a customer. I mean, I think I, my whole goal is to help provide an atmosphere that's enjoyable for other people and provide a product or fill a need. And I think the intimidation would the only intimidation was that I'm that am I, if, I, if I wasn't doing it right, if people weren't enjoying it, how do I, if I couldn't correct it, that, I feel intimidated that way. But So far from what you've seen, are you happy? I love it. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm really in love with it. I love my staff. I think we hire based on personality and I just love spending my day with such joyful people. So um, as long as the product comes out right and, and people keep showing up, I'm, I'm a really happy man. Excellent. Brian McLaughlin, Locale Tacos e Tequila. I thank you very much. Thank you, Alex. Keeping up Brian's attitude of gratitude, I want to thank my friend and fantastically talented producer-editor Kristen Keith. Our interns are Claudia Chiappa from Boston University and Hingham's own Cameron Baker. Our website was designed by Donna Mavramatis and her team at Mavro Creative. I'm Allie Donnelly. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.